Well, good morning. What a joy it is to be together. Hey, I've got a real-time update from Mark Henderson. You remember Mark a couple weeks ago? Mark was up here. We were praying for Mark. Mark's going into the Ukraine. He's taking uh, humanitarian aid with uh, One Mission Society, one of our impact partners. And at 9.18 this morning, which is, I don't know what time it is in the Ukraine. I think it's later. He said, uh, doing great, just got back from church, learning so much and meeting great people. Our food is going very far into the country. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? Yeah, we can clap for that. But also, what I heard this week is there are missiles that are within 25 miles of where he's been. Now, we just sang a song, and it says, uh, the more that I'm leaning, the more that I am flying. Did you catch that? What a connection. The more that I'm leaning, the more that I'm trusting in God, the more that I am depending upon him, the more I am flying, the more I am on this adventure of following Jesus. Amen? What a testimony. What a testimony. Well, I'm super excited that you're here today. If uh, you don't know me, my name's Jason, uh, lead pastor here at Community Church, and we've been in a series on prayer. We've been on a series in prayer, and uh, we've entitled it, uh, as the disciples ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Not just teach me to pray, but teach us to pray. So we're in week three of the series. We've been focusing on what, uh, what we know is the Lord's Prayer and working through that. But uh, I want to share one more prayer testimony. Before we, uh, we, we dive in, maybe you've, maybe you've heard this one. She was driving last Friday on the way to Cincinnati on a snow-white Christmas Eve, going home to see her mama and her daddy with a baby in the back seat. Some of you know this. 50 miles to go, and she was running low on faith and gasoline. It had been a long, hard year. She had a lot on her mind, and she didn't pay attention She was going way too fast. Before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both their lives flash before her eyes. She didn't even have time to cry. She was so scared, she threw her hands up in the air. For the first time in a long time, she bowed her head to pray. She said, I'm sorry for the way I've been living my life. I know I've got to change. So from now on tonight, you know the next line? Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands because I can't do this on my own. I'm letting go. So give me one more chance and save me from this road I'm on. Lead us not into temptation. So much we could say to that. It's a different view of prayer. It's a different view of prayer. Now, Notice the difference between our brother Mark praying, the more that I'm leaning, the more that I am flying, proactive 
prayer prior to crisis, prior to trial, in the midst of, and what makes a great country song is not necessarily great theology. There's also reactive prayer that says, I, I, I'm going through life, and when crisis hits, then I will pray. Then I will pray. Now let me invite you this morning to consider two different approaches to being dependent upon the Lord in prayer. Prayer in and of itself is an act of dependence and desperation. Amen? Because you're saying, I, 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 I cannot do this on my own. I'm going to pray to God whom I cannot see to intervene in my life. All prayer at some level is prayer of dependence, but when do you pray? Is it when the crisis hits? Okay, now Jesus, take the wheel as I'm spinning out of control. Or am I going to pray proactively to extend the metaphor before I even start the car? I believe Jesus invites us to do the latter, to be proactive in our prayer of dependence. So I want to give us some words of instruction in that this morning as we uh, learn from the Master. Let me review these words of this great prayer. Now, familiarity sometimes can be an enemy because we can say, I've heard this before. I don't have anything new to learn about the Lord's Prayer. I would say this, one of the things that defines a, a masterpiece even aesthetically, is you can look at it over and over and over and over again, and you always see something new and fresh, even if it's in that application to your own life today. I believe this is the great masterpiece of prayer. And hear these words. This, then, is how you should pray. This is from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive forgive your sins. Let's pray and ask for God's guidance. Father, we thank you for giving us this prayer delivered through the words of your son. We ask now that your spirit would open up our hearts and minds to receive what we need today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I want to begin, quick review. I want to start with this idea that we are praying to our Father. And this is a reminder that God calls us to pray individually. He says, look, go into your room, shut the door, don't be like the hypocrites who pray to be heard and, and, you know, and, and perform and all that kind of stuff. He says, don't do that. Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in heaven, 100%. At the same time, 
The pronouns in this are our and we. This is a community effort. So let's not forget that. Following Jesus is a team sport. We need to fight everything in our culture that says it's just about you. Everything in our culture is driving us to just look inward and just look at ourselves. Anybody want to argue with me on that one? Everything is, every algorithm is pointing to you. This is a we. You know, we're trying to be this community who sees and shares the hope of Jesus together. So I want to give you a couple challenges up front. You know, one is start your day with prayer. We talked about that a couple, couple weeks ago. I want to also challenge you this week to pray aloud. Pray aloud. That means there's sound coming from your mouth. Your vocal cords are activating. Some of you, that's really hard and scary. Just make it simple, right? Pray aloud with somebody this week. And then pray for and with your church family. Matt already mentioned you got that prayer card. You can fill those out. I tell you, one of the joys of heaven is going to be thinking all the senior saints that have prayed for my kids over the years and seeing those prayers answered. I'm telling you, if you don't take advantage of those prayers, I mean, there, there are prayer warriors in our congregation who are praying for you. Submit those prayer requests. So we've got an opportunity on Wednesdays at 4. Uh, Pastor Dean and I were at another Sunday morning, 8.55 a.m. opportunity to really pray for our services, uh, more opportunities to come. We want to be a church that prioritizes prayer. Okay, so take advantage of those opportunities. And even as we think about being a community and it's, <clears throat> and it's Mother's Day and as, as Matt mentioned, it's, it's joy and it's, it's pain, both. And I would encourage you to do this. Encourage, appreciate your mom, the spiritual moms in your life, Make the call, do the text, whatever you need to do in that. But also, also, I believe every one of us probably knows somebody, this is a day of pain and loss. Send a text today and just say, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. One of the therapists who's working with us um, in our Caring for the Vulnerable class on Wednesday nights as we talk about grief and just the impact that grief has on us he says recent grief is seven years seven years one of the things i do i can be really good that first year in remembering something but i gotta go i gotta do better than that it's seven years i guarantee you they haven't forgotten okay send that text all right let's dig into the text a little bit more here so two sections to it. The first part we've already talked about, and we've been working on this relationship with God. To whom are we praying? We are praying to our Father who art in heaven. That is our Abba Father, our Dada. It is the most intimate, close term. And it's hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. You are set apart. You are, your ways are not our ways. You are above. It's awe and intimacy it's both in and we are invited to pray to the god of the universe who invites us to call him abba father 
Last week, Matt did a wonderful job of orienting ourselves to the kingdom. And we heard from a couple of our members, Liz and Hector, about how they are orienting their lives around the kingdom. What a beautiful, beautiful story and example of that. But today we're going to get into part two, and we're going to look at the ground, on the ground, as you think about our horizontal relationships with others, our daily needs, where does prayer fit in here. On the ground, our human petitions, our horizontal relationship with others. There are three petitions, and we'll just follow the order of the text. That's a good thing to do, right? The first is this, Matthew 6, 11. Give us today our daily bread. What does that mean, daily bread? Let me give you a little big picture of the Bible for a moment here. There's an echo. If, if, you're, if you're hearing this for the first time as one of Jesus' disciples, you've got this echo. When you hear daily bread, you think Old Testament because that's what you had. You think of the book of Exodus. You think of the Israelites coming out of slavery and God meeting their daily need through the manna from heaven. The daily bread, the manna from heaven. But concrete lesson of dependence upon God and his provision, their instructions were simple. Gather bread for how many days? One. Don't store it up. Don't try to get ahead of God. Don't trust on your own ability to gather. Just trust God. Now, before the Sabbath, you get two days because you're going to rest on the Sabbath. But here was the concrete lesson. If you don't do that, If you lean on your own understanding, if you try to gather more, what happened to the Israelites? What happened to that manna? It got rotten and maggots and it starts stinking. So it's a concrete lesson to depend upon the Lord's provision. So they would have had that in their mindset. We live in a culture where it's difficult, I believe, for us to really grasp A daily need. A daily need. I think we had a a lot of daily greeds. And sometimes we need to know the difference and pray, God, show me the difference between my daily needs and my daily greeds. But that's a prayer of dependence. And here's the thing about dependence and desperation. When you're truly dependent and desperate, life gets very focused, very focused. Closest I can come to thinking about this is being in the hospital, having an NG tube through my nose and just suffering a lot, and I'm watching that clock and it looks like the clock has stopped. I'm praying for the next hour. Some of you know what I'm talking about here. Sometimes we, God has to get our attention a little bit to remind us the difference between a need and a greed. I think we have a false security in our stuff sometimes, and we need to be reminded of that. I love the way one uh, commentator says, summarizes this prayer. He says, give us this day our daily bread is how Jesus puts it. Lord, give us what we need to live so that we might live a life of gratitude toward you and generosity towards others. Daily bread, that's our first petition. 
The second one, from verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. When we think about sin, we need to acknowledge that all sin is both vertical, it is sin against God, and it is horizontal, it is sin against others. Good theology is not telephone pole theology. In other words, it's just a pole, maybe a little bit of horizontal. But good theology is always vertical and it's horizontal. Our relationship with God, out of that overflow comes our love, our relationship with others. The cross is always there. The vertical and the horizontal are connected. Jesus even adds a little commentary here in verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Those are some strong words, my friends. Forgiveness matters. I love the story of uh, John Wesley, the, the great 18th century theologian. One of his congregants came up to him and said, uh, Pastor, I never forgive. Wesley said, then I hope, sir, that you never sin. We need to remember the nails on the cross. We need to remember our responsibility in that. Our forgiveness of others is not a work that saves us. Thank you, Jesus. I don't lose my salvation if I have failed to forgive somebody yesterday. But it is a reminder of the connectedness of those relationships. I had a hard time understanding how my sin affects God. Anybody with me on that? I mean, the, the horizontal, how, how does my sin against others affect my Heavenly Father? Sometimes I think that's really hard for us to understand. The closest I can come to this is, uh, you know, it's Mother's Day and I'm thinking about my kids and they've always just been 100% obedient and loving. So I can only only through analogy and talking with you all, begin to empathize with the challenge of parenting. <clears throat> but last night on the deck, we're having just this wonderful, they're all in their 20s and they're grown and, you know, youngest is getting ready to get married and they're, they're moving out and doing things and it's cool. And we're reflecting and having just this, like, really special, cool moment together and reminiscing on the deck. But I was reminding how great that was, but I also remembered a time when my two boys were fighting, not like with words, but like with fists. And the older one hit the younger one, and guess who that hit hurt the most? Mom. Who was most upset by that? I'm kind of callous. It didn't bother me that much. <laughs> I'm like, they'll sort it out, but it hurt mom. And I'm like, maybe that's a glimpse of when we hurt each other, what that does or heaven. Maybe that's a glimpse. Maybe that's a glimpse. But oh, the joy of restoration. So how do you pray this? God, help me to see. Help me to see my sin. Help me to see my debt. 
Help me to see the pain I've caused somebody else. We're in this together. We're in a turbulent time. People can't agree on anything. Everything's a thing. People have lost friendship over dumb things. It's just the world we're in right now. I like to maximize the debt somebody um, has caused me and maybe minimize what I caused somebody else. I need the Holy Spirit to turn that dimmer up and help me see what I can't see. I need other people in my life to help me see that. Who do I need to forgive? And I've mentioned this test before. This is the head on the swivel in the grocery store test. When you go into the grocery store, is there somebody that if you saw them over in aisle three, you would walk the other way? Because you wouldn't feel comfortable looking them in the eye and having a conversation with them. If you've got somebody, there's some work to do. I'll keep it that simple. Are you open and teachable to that? Finally, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What this is not saying is, God, don't allow me to face any trial or go to any place where I might be tempted. Jesus himself was led into the wilderness to be tempted. James, younger brother of Jesus, is helpful here. Hear these words from James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. In sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There's a progression here and a pattern I would invite you to see. There's a progression. Who's responsible for your temptation? Look in the mirror. Now, we got an evil one who will entice, and that's part of it. Flip forward to Ephesians 6, and we talk about spiritual warfare and how we are to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. But there's a progression, and there's a pattern here. Do you know your patterns? Do you know how you're likely to fall into temptation? Whatever dulls, now hear this, whatever dulls your dependency on God is your pattern. Let me say that again. Whatever dulls your dependency on God is your pattern. So whatever, whatever you and I put in that bucket that fills us up, whether it's some kind of substance abuse, whether it's pornography, or whether it's just working really hard all the time. Whatever that might be, whatever dulls your dependence, whatever takes that edge off that says, I'll be satisfied with this, is your pathway of temptation. Whatever way of thinking that says, I've got this, I've got it, 
I don't really have to pray. I don't have to be proactive in this. That is your pattern. Now, God gives us a choice. God is so patient with us. Amen? I'm not having a time of confession, but how many hear me and say, I acknowledge, Jason, that I have a pattern of temptation. Raise your hand if you acknowledge. Some of us don't. I don't know. There's a pride issue there. (laughs) But you can do it the easy way or the hard way. I mean, God's going to say, look, you can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. You can be proactive and invite me in and bring me along and be dependent upon me, or you can go your own way. Let's do it the easy way or the hard way. I, I like easy, because life's hard enough. Now, what's really interesting about this prayer, those of you who memorize the Lord's Prayer, you're probably thinking, well, isn't there another line in there? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. How many of you memorize the Lord's Prayer that way? And you're like, I, we didn't read that. Where, where is that? Well, it's actually in the King James, and it got added later. Do you know that? And the earliest manuscripts don't have it. Now, it's an Old Testament quote. It's good. It's, it's wonderful. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But it's interesting when you look at starting with our Father and ending with the evil one. Life is that battle in between. Think of the stark contrast between our Heavenly Father in the evil one who is tempting us. I love the way uh, scholar Douglas Sean O'Donnell says it. The structural point then is something like this. As children of Jesus' Father who live our daily lives between God and the devil, we must recognize the warning here and therefore offer up in this last petition a real and raw cry for help. A real and a raw cry for help. Help me, Lord, to remain faithful to you. What a prayer. What a prayer. The Lord's Prayer. It's easier to talk about prayer than it is to actually pray faithfully. So I've invited some dear women and a young woman up front, and they're going to help us apply God's Word. Let's give them a hand as they come up. We're going to have a conversation about prayer, and I've got uh, Andrea O'Neill and her daughter Ainsley, busy mom, educator, musician extraordinaire, my wife Kim, busy mom, now grandma, a.k.a. Gigi. I feel like I'm like miles away. Hello. <laughs> and a world-class labor and delivery nurse. So we're going to have a conversation about prayer and really how we put some of this stuff into practice. So we're going to start with Ainsley. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. How old are you, Ainsley? Um, Ten. Ten years old. It's awesome that you're here. So when do you pray? Uh, I pray before bed usually. Um, I pray before every meal and just whenever usually. Whenever. So you've got set times that you pray. Yes. And then like whenever. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. That's awesome. So um, 
What do you pray for? Um, I like to pray for, well, family. Okay. <laughs> so who do, you, who do you pray for again? Family, friends, um, health um, for my family and friends, and patience for my little brother, Lachlan. Let, let me say that again. Patience, patience for, for your little brother. Yes. Does he have a name? Uh, Lachlan. Okay. Pray, do you pray daily for that? <laughs> Hourly. Now let me ask you another question. So, um... How does your mom pray for you? Well, um, sometimes she prays for patience. <laughs> also, um, uh, for me to have a good attitude during school. And who's your teacher? Uh, her. Okay. <laughs> so prayer for a good attitude. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you ever pray with your mom? Yeah. Um, during school. And we have devotion before every bed, so usually that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Now, Andrea, um, tell us a little bit more about your family and what's God been teaching you about prayer? Yeah, um, so I do homeschool uh, Ainsley and her um, sisters and brother. Uh, and so I'm at home with them um, all day, every day, um, which has its challenges, perks, and um, definitely hard moments. Um, but one of the things that the Lord has been teaching me um, to pray in the last year or so is to um, start my prayers declaring his holiness. And um, I think he is worthy of all our worship. I know he is. Uh, and he is set apart from any other God, lowercase g God, that we might put on the throne. And so when we see his holiness and the ways that he is set apart from all other um, things, then he is worshiped and it, and it sets my, my heart and my mind right um, as, I, as I start to pray for him. And the Lord is honored by any type of prayer, um, but in my intentional prayer time, that's one of the ways that he's teaching me to, um, to worship him. And, and we see that in the Lord's Prayer, right, in Matthew 6. It's the very beginning. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, right? Set apart is his name. And I wanted to share one more scripture with you from Hebrews. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and this is talking about the kinds of prayers that Jesus prayed on earth. It says, during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So Jesus, son of God, had reverence, a holy reverence for God the Father. Um, and he was heard. His prayers were heard because of that reverence. And so that's a model for us on how we should pray to the Lord, declare the ways that he is holy and set apart. And we do that by studying the scripture. Every, every scripture is a story of God's character. And in the very beginning, even all the way back in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God, Lord, you are holy. You are set apart. You are eternal. That's the very first way that he's declared as being holy and set apart from all other things. And um, he created in that same verse, in the beginning, God created. And I was talking to Ainsley on the way up today, and I said, you know, I've seen my kids create a lot of things in the mud. They love to play in the mud, but I have yet to see them create anything as complicated or complex as God did when he created 
man in his image from the dust. <laughs> and so he's set apart in his um, ability to create. And so worshiping him as I begin my prayers with holy are you God. And I'll be honest, when I started praying like this, it felt very awkward. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's a sign, God, that I do not revere you like I should. And so I'm um, trying to be intentional with declaring the ways that he is set apart uh, in my prayer time. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Uh... So, Kim, I'm going to move a little closer since I'm too far apart. Hi. So, what's, what's God been uh, teaching you about prayer? Oh, um, so many things. Again, my name's Kim. I happen to be married to Jason. The we, glamorous life of a yes, pastor's wife. It's in, yeah, very glamorous. Um, we have three adult kids, uh, Claire, who's married to Andrew, John, who's married to Sadie, and Seth, who's soon to be married to Shelby. We have a granddaughter, Eleanor. Um, they're awesome. And, um, one thing I love about something you said today was our dependence and our desperation. And I have found in 20, almost 28 years of parenting that my prayer life has been very dependent and very desperate, um, a lot of the time. And I also have found it to bring great joy and seeing the other side of that dependence and desperation. Um, We have seen our kids through some really awesome, exciting, life-giving, beautiful things, and we have seen our kids through some really tough um, times in their lives. And um, only because um, we just fell on our faces and prayed, because really that's all we could do in those moments, even though you want to manipulate and control and fix and, um, you know, give them a 10-point plan of, like, if you do this, then this will happen. But that's really not how it works. And God has taught me um, so much in that dependence and desperation. And then to be able to, as they're adults now, sit with them, and reflect on that and talk to them about, um, wow, remember when. <laughs> um, sometimes it, you need a lot of time <laughs> to reflect and, and go back to that. But um, when you can do that with them and then have them also give you um, feedback, uh, sometimes it is, it is truthful. Your kids are always the realest people in your lives, but, um, and sometimes it's painful. Um, but so so needed and so life-giving and just builds and grows your family. And um, again, the desperation and dependence for me um, is, has been there. Yeah. So when do you pray? Um, I have, I am like, imagine this kind of a control freak, but I um, have a, a pattern that I get up. I had to establish this when my kids were little um, so I could be a really nice mom. Um, because my kids waking up before me did not work for me. And so I had to, uh, they had a 7 a.m. rule. <laughs> so they could come out of their rooms when the clock said 7.00. And so I woke up um, at least an hour, hour and a half earlier than them and set aside that time. And sometimes it was uh, very organized with journaling, a specific study of something, but most of the time, it's coffee, it's prayer. I have a wall in our home, in our family room, and most people think it's just um, 
great pictures of our kids and grandbaby and our parents, but that's my wall where I sit and those are my people. And it's my parents, my in-laws, my kids, our grandbaby, and I just pray over them and, and pray, you know, about their daily lives and what's ahead for them and um, all kinds of things. Yeah. That's awesome. Andrea, real quick, can you give one quick word of encouragement um, to our moms and really to the congregation about prayer? Yeah, um, the Lord tells us to pray uh, at all times and that he hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. And we can trust that God is true to his word. He's not like us where he can deny someone who's seeking, who can deny someone who may be knocking on the door. He has to be true to his word. And so when we cry out to him, um, he is faithful to listen, and he will always answer, sometimes with a yes, sometimes with a no, often with a wait, <laughs> right? Um, but trust his holy character in that, that he hears and he answers our prayers. It's an awesome word. Let's, uh, let's thank them for sharing. And I've invited Ainsley to pray for us. Would you pray? God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone who could be here today. Thank you for the mothers who have been so patient with their kids. And thank you for Mary, mother of Jesus, who has just, I'm sure she had more patience than any mothers here. Amen.